Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property. Wow. And to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced that checks and balances are brilliant and put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful, restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. And as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. Call for civility.com, our latest project. Check it out. See if you endorse it or what. Call for civility.com. All right, without further ado, a quick recap of yesterday's show. We had on two incredible guests Eldon Stallfield. I'm, wow, I'm sorry. Eldon Stahl, he's the field coordinator for the John Birch Society, jbs.org, thenewamerican.com, doing a phenomenal job. We also had on Brian Rust, rustclinicgift.com, doing a phenomenal job. We talked about the Honest Money Report, constitutional currency, gold and silver. We talked about the Staples Center in Los Angeles is now being renamed. Yeah, crypto.com arena. <laughs> wow, crypto.com arena. From one fake currency to another we go, ladies and gentlemen. Police, they say, well, the police say teenage thief got $36 million in cryptocurrency. Yeah, a Canadian scammer intercepted what's called an authentication request. Got caught, got a bunch of money, but then got caught. The government's always there. Now, interestingly enough, it's a Canadian citizen or a Canadian little kid. But the investigation included the FBI and the U.S. Secret Service. Yeah, we've got to be involved in every, every instance around the world. Sad but true, we we become the belligerent, hegemonous nation that thinks it's in charge of everybody and everything everywhere, doesn't it? We're the, we're the world's cops, aren't we? Not. That blowback is going to be severe when people get completely sick of it. They're sick of it now, but the retaliation is going to nothing but increase over time. Write it down. We also talked about Bitcoin creator. Satoshi Nakamoto, we don't know who that is, by the way. Uh, they say that's an individual or a collective of individuals. Who knows? But it's a name put to the, quote, creator. Nobody really knows who the creator is. That's a pseudonym, by the way. But they say that it could be expo exposed in a Florida trial. You say, well, how's that, Sam? Oh, well, you got to listen to the show yesterday and dig into the details, and you'll find out. How's that? We also talked about cryptocurrency faces, a, quote, quantum computing problem to cutting-edge technologies that promise to revolutionize entire fields may be on a collision course. We broke that down for you as well as we rounded out the first hour and even into the second hour, we wrapped up that discussion. Uh, here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen, in summation, the blockchain technology, it's the blockchain accounting technology that powers cryptocurrencies. Well, if quantum computing matures faster, we might be able to just bust all the crypto. Yeah, your public key might just be hacked, and then you're in real trouble. Once quantum computing becomes powerful enough, then all the security guarantees out the window. That was our one of Liberty Roundtable Live. 
Hour two, we talked a lot about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Jury deliberations there, still not uh, done. Complicated. Yeah, bad guys on both sides out there rioting in front of the courthouses. Liberal media attacking the Rittenhouse trial with everything they have. Yeah, but the liberal bias in the media being exposed more than ever before. Look, these trials, this Rittenhouse trial, um, this uh, trial in Virginia, all these trials, they relate to you. They relate to me. The liberal liars in the uh, Rittenhouse trial at NBC are calling the judge a white supremacist. <laughs> CNN has a one of the Rittenhouse attackers. Uh, on Anderson Cooper, basically having a different story than he told in court. He had to be arrested for that. The liberal liars continue to paint. Kyle is racist and evil despite the evidence. Gun owners of America has proudly stood with Kyle Rittenhouse since the get-go. You see, it's not just about Kyle on trial. It's about you on trial. Your gun rights. Your God-given inalienable right of self-defense is on trial. We talked about all these, quote, burdensome technicalities. Rules and red tapes are nothing but an attempt to eventually deny, regulate, manipulate your right to keep and bear arms. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one that brought the gun, the prosecution claimed. Wow, there you have it. We also talked about Jacob Chansley, a.k.a. Jake Angeli, QAnon shaman, sentenced to 41 months in prison. He's already served 11 of it. So basically, uh, what, two and a half years left? There you have it. What a tragic tale to tell. He didn't commit any really violence. He didn't destroy any property or anything else. He just went into the Capitol, used a bad word or two, and ran around the megaphone. What a shame, especially last week when we reported the truth on this and who's really leading the charge to breach the Capitol. None of those guys going to jail. There you have it. We just thought we'd bring that to your attention. OSHA suspends enforcement of vaccine mandate after not only the court blocked, but the appellate court agreed that it's out of control. Unacceptable. Epic times with those details. The announcement came shortly after the U.S. appeals court rejected the challenge by the Biden administration, put on hold OSHA, put on hold Joe Biden's mandate. But see, Joe doesn't believe in the law. Uh, Joe says, ignore the court. Move ahead anyway. Shame on Joe and the administration. We ought to arrest him for his crimes. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans stated in an opinion OSHA's mandate is staggeringly overbroad and ordered to take no statement, no steps to implement until further court orders. Well, I don't believe the courts are directly in charge. We ought to nullify now. But I do know this. The courts got it right when they say Joe's whacked out crazy. And now Joe's saying defy the courts. What a shame that is. By the way, at least 27 U.S. states, as well as private employers, religious organizations, and other groups have sued the Biden administration, saying that he's exceeded his authority in issuing his mandate. But you, you think? Well, exceeded his authority means he's broke the law. If he's broke the law, arrest him then. But nobody's going to arrest Joe Biden. Nobody has the guts in America today. Sad, but reality-based truth. There you have it. And that's a recap of the broadcast that took place yesterday. Still available at LibertyRoundTable.com and LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Tell the tale. All right. Chris Carlson with us. Hard-hitting talk radio. 
News the networks refuse to use as we discuss all things liberty. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Good morning, Sam. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. Yes, indeed. I had to play Bruce Springsteen. Meet the new boss, same as the... No, that's the who, isn't it? <laughs> yes, the who. All right, that's the who, ladies and gentlemen. You think of the boss as Springsteen. They called him the boss, right? Uh, but nevertheless, now the boss ain't Springsteen. It ain't the who. Is it Ronald Reagan? Meet the new boss, ladies and gentlemen, same as the old boss, Ronald Reagan, and the rise of the supply-side economics. Now, this is an interesting discussion because a lot of people believe trickle-down trickle down economics is the answer. I submit to you any uh, economic situation that denies us honest money, honest currency, constitutional asset-based reality currency, any economy that doesn't have that is in trouble and destined to fail, first of all. Secondarily, though, it's not about just the supply side or the this or the that. It's about the free enterprise system. It's about the free exchange of goods and services and everything else, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the discussion. Supply side economics is just as destructive as socialist economics. It's just a, a different flavor <laughs> to abuse the people. Chris? Yeah, supply-side economics and holds that increasing the supply of goods and services translates to economic growth for the country. And I agree. That's why America has been great and prosperous over all these years, because we were able to produce more than any other country in the world. But according to our new definition, as you said, the government has to play a major role in stimulating the economy through profligate spending which is the side of uh, supply-side economics that I do not agree with. And that's, that's the theory. So let's, ex let's explain, because people get confused here really easy, and I want to explain this. They say we focus on the supply side of goods and services. That makes sense, and a lot of it makes sense because it translates to economic growth, they say, for a country if they have a supply-side fiscal policy. So uh, practitioners often focus on this. Listen, cutting taxes. Well, we agree cutting taxes is good. Lowering borrowing rates, well, we don't think the government ought to be involved in manipulating rates. Rates are just like anything else. It should fluctuate freely with the market. And they say deregulating industries. On one hand, deregulating industries is good. The government should have never regulated those industries in the first place. Uh, but when they deregulate after regulation, what they're, what they're doing is adding insult to injury. Because, again, in the deregulation, certain groups, certain people, certain power uh, have, well, it's kind of like being an incumbent in an election. Uh, you know, you've got this this special privilege, this inside status, uh, whether you're appointed or whatever the case may be along the way. When you get this incumbency status, it changes the game. And then they say what that does is foster increased production. The lie here, Chris, at the center of this whole discussion is that government's the agent to make it all happen. Yeah, and the problem is they don't reduce spending. So a larger portion of that money that's supposed to be stimulating the economy is going right back into the pockets of non-productive government services. Ladies and gentlemen, it's just another way to manipulate the market and jettison the free market, uh, the free enterprise system, which we completely support. Hang tight, Chris Carlton, Carlson, Sam Bushman, on your radio. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? 
Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman, talking about supply chain or supply side economics. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a serious, serious, in my opinion, breach uh, of the free market. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. That was the Ronald Reagan-esque stance, and it created nothing but havoc on the United States of America, ladies and gentlemen. Supply side economics holds that, quote, increasing the supply of goods and services translates to economic growth for a country. And my response is, you know what? Supply and demand ought to be king in a free market. But no, it's really just nothing more than a different way to manipula manipulate the market, uh, conservative style. But it's as destructive as anything else is, Chris. Yeah. <clears throat> so David Stockman is the individual that I got a lot of the information that we're going to be discussing today from. So David Stockman was actually an economic advisor for Ronald Reagan during the Ronald Reagan administration, Sam. In fact, his official title was the um, director of the United States Office of Management and Budget. So he was intimately acquainted with Reaganomics during that period of time. And um, he says that in a healthy capitalist economy, income distribution reflects the economic justice of the marketplace, not the political engineering of the state. But Ronald Reagan, as much as we laud him as this great conservative, the great communicator, the, Ronald, the Reagan revolution, all of these uh, accolades that we uh, bestow upon him was not a free market economist, Sam. He was an interventionist. He believed uh, in stimulating the economy through government spending. And, uh, it, and it works in the short term. I will admit, stimulus packages actually work in the short term, but in the long term, the, uh, the negative side of it outweighs by far 
uh, any gains you may make in the short term. Now, let's be clear when you say they work in the short term, though. It is the economic bottle of false prosperity uh, that makes you feel good. It's like sugar giving you energy. Yeah, it might make you feel like you have energy in the short term, but it takes its toll long term. It's false prosperity, though. We need to be very clear about that. Now, David Allen Stockman wrote a book entitled The Great Defamation, The Corruption of Capitalism in America. Uh, and Joel or uh, Cleon Skousen back in the day wrote a book called The Naked Communist and the Naked Capitalist. These books highlight this reality that you're pointing out, Chris. Yeah, exactly. And I was deceived in my younger years. We've talked about my conversion about 20 years ago from being a Republican to being an independent. And, my, and what, that was one of the books that I read, The Naked Capitalist. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, wrote, I read The Naked Communist before that. But there's really nowadays, if you look at capitalism as the brand of capitalism that we are now practicing in America, which is crony capitalism or, um, or Reaganomics, however you want to label it, it's nothing more than corporate socialism, uh, you know, mingled with uh, socialism all the way down the economic uh, spectrum. So we basically well, and it, have and it's a backed by socialist principles on the surface, communist principles at, at the end of the day, though. And what we've done is we've partnered with communist nations and we've used the manipulation of supply side economics or trickle down economics, whatever you want to call it, to partner with the communists. Thus, the rise of China has been a, a core component uh, in this effort as well. Yeah, see, our relationship with China that we have now, this deficit relationship that we've maintained throughout all of the, uh, the presidencies that, that we have lived through, Sam, uh, in our lifetimes, including Donald Trump. And I proved this uh, when we talked about his presidency. The trade deficit between the United States and China actually increased under Donald Trump, and it also increased under Ronald Reagan. So why, what is the point of having a conservative president if uh, nothing is going to change as far as our competitiveness in the global market, uh, particularly with China? In this loose money policy, this uh, not tax and spend, but borrow and spend policy fa facilitates our relationship now with China to where we can trade with them with reckless abandon without regard for the debt that we have to accumulate or the deficits that we then accumulate as a result. And that's the problem. Well, and without regard to part of the part of the naked capitalist, naked communist discussion is, you know what, we need to have a moral component to our trade. We need to do business with people who are like-minded and who believe in what we believe in and who will embrace the moral high ground, who will reject unjust war, who will stand with the Prince of Peace, who will focus on uh, the free ideas exchange, the free market exchange, these principles that make nations great, that drive the greatest economic engine in the world. Okay, uh, real capitalists have a moral component to their actions. Whereas the naked communists, naked capitalists, they don't have any moral component at all. And so when we get into these massive trade deficits with communist nations, what they do is take all the spoils from that dishonest, immoral, one-sided relationship. In other words, money, goods, and services all flow to the communists. Uh, and that what they do is they take that and they build their military. And what yes. we've done is funded over the last 50 years the greatest military in the world. And you could say, no, it's still us. Not for long. It's Not still us. Long. Yeah, Not but we got a long. challenge on our hands that we built with our own dishonest money in this so-called supply chain 
economics or supply side economics. We've said it's all about getting spend on the American side. The communists are all it's all about building our military with your foolish money. Uh, and that becomes the rise of China has really been on the backs of we the people seeking entertainment and goods and services and get and spend and get and spend. The Reagan revolution, ladies and gentlemen, was indeed a revolution. Chris? Yeah, it was a revolution in, in profligate spending. And Ronald Reagan, in fact, there's a statement as far as uh, military spending was concerned. He says, when it comes to national security, you do not spend based on a budget. You spend based on what you need. Now, I can kind of see where that is, you know, if you want to defend your country. The problem, Sam, is that we, our military is now in over 140 nations in this world. We do not need to be there. If we could bring our troops home, station them on the border where we do have an invasion, where we do have a national vested interest, uh, we wouldn't have to spend nearly as much on our military. Um, so I do believe that we need to stay within a budget. I do believe that uh, having zero debt as our national policy is uh, probably more important than defending ourselves from enemies that are outside because we are going to talk about the fact that I believe at this point, Sam, the enemies within the gates are more uh, formidable at this point than any enemy outside the gate. And we know that through yeah, history. Yeah, the sad part, history. the sad reality is they have become partners as well. And so it's hard to know who's inside the gates and who's outside the gates and who's friendly and who's foe. But we've really aided the rise of China from Reagan to Bush to Clinton to Trump to Barack to everybody. They've all been on the same side of that coin. And the Reagan revolution was indeed a revolution, ladies and gentlemen, but not one that benefited the American people. In fact, China is happy about it and thanks Reagan and his supporters for their, quote, magnificent growth. <laughs> That's pretty telling, Chris. Yep. Yep. Um, it really did because it created a paradigm shift and that and that's the the danger when we have paradigm shifts when when we disregard our national debt and look at it uh, from the perspective that is absolutely necessary for us to go into debt and if you if you look at the dynamics of the Federal Reserve System you realize it's impossible for us not to go into debt and expand economically that's that's the great secret the the, the, the thing that you know it would probably take a, a much longer show than this to describe but in the short term, we need to recognize that um, the threat of economic um, debt is much greater, in my opinion, than any army outside of the gates of this nation. In fact, if you read the scriptures, um, Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And if you look at the people to whom we are indebted, and we've talked about this before, Sam, it's important to reiterate the people that, to whom we are indebted literally are, are for the m m most part, are not uh, even citizens of this country. You know, why are we indebted to, to foreign uh, people who have loyalties? I wouldn't say loyalties to foreign nations, loyalties to world government. And, and that's another aspect of this discussion that we probably won't be able to get into much that it's going to facilitate our merger into a new world order that's not even being hidden that much anymore. I mean, we're, we're, we're merging into it uh, at a rate and in a manner that people are actually starting to embrace it and starting to believe that we have to, you know, especially with the threat of China. Anyway, I kind of got a little bit off uh, topic. But yes, uh, we have facilitated the growth of China through our our borrow and spend policy for our uh, short-term gain 
of cheap Chinese goods at the expense of long-term, I would say, survival. Not only prosperity, but survival. We have financed the growth of uh, the second most massive army on the planet, which is China's. Eventually, they're going to surpass us in naval power. Uh, you know, we've always had the, the largest navy for the, what, the last 100 years. Their All right, hang tight, ladies so and gentlemen. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. I am Sam Bushman. Chris Carlson with me. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use on tap. We're not trying to attack individuals, but we are trying to attack ideologies, ladies and gentlemen. We're trying to point you in the right direction for the salvation and restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry is fiscally responsible and it's paid for. These plans are fiscally responsible. They are fully paid for. They don't add a single penny to the deficit. According to the Congressional Budget Office Thursday, that is misinformation by President Biden. In fact, the social spending bill, or Build Back Better, will add hundreds of billions of dollars to the deficit. The House tried to push the bill through Congress in the middle of the night, early Friday morning, but Representative from California, Republican Kevin McCarthy, kept talking until Congress adjourned for the night. This bill spends billions of dollars to hire 87,000 IRS agents. The news outlet MSNBC has been banned for the remainder of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. A news producer from MSNBC followed the jury van last night to either photograph jurors or intimidate them. MSNBC denies any wrongdoing. USA Radio News. COVID is spiking again, and it's just not clear how to keep your family safe. Fever is the leading symptom of COVID, and the only way to reliably detect it is with an accurate thermometer. Be vigilant and be accurate with the Exergen Temporal Scanner, whose accuracy has been proven in more than 100 clinical studies. Don't rely on non-contact thermometers. They are proven to be inaccurate and will not reliably detect a fever that might mean COVID. Learn more at exergen.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. Hi, welcome to Furniture Depot. And you, come on in. Couches are flying off the floor at Cheyenne's Furniture Store. Sarah, can you go over to dining sets, please? She needs more sales associates before shoppers take their seats elsewhere. Can somebody get me a price check on trundle beds? Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. After all these years, the murder trial of civil rights champion Malcolm X reveals law enforcement got the wrong guys. A New York judge has granted exonerations for two men wrongfully convicted of killing civil rights leader Malcolm X in 1965. The exonerations of Muhammad Aziz and Khalil Islam were issued after Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance Jr. filed a motion seeking to vacate the convictions. Both men served 20 years in prison and were released in the mid-1980s, but Islam died in 2009. Aziz said the exonerations couldn't erase the decades of his life that were lost. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King. More than 800 Activision Blizzard employees are calling for CEO Bobby Kotick to resign in an open letter. It seems to be about employees wanting to unionize their 9,500 employees. World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Overwatch, and more are part of the Blizzard platform. USA Radio News. 
All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Carlson with me. We're talking about supply side economics, ladies and gentlemen. And what a disaster it's been for the Americans. Uh, it's been a Reagan revolution for sure, but it hasn't been good for the American people. Chris, that's really a, a point that people need to understand. We're not here to attack Reagan as an individual, but we are here to simply say these policies have been consistently destructive of America, consistently promoting and building communism and the military engine behind them. We haven't seen the full uh, blooming of the repercussions yet, but sad to say, uh, it's sure to come. And as you wisely point out, it's not the outside guys we're worried about so much. It's the inside people uh, who are partnering with them that bring us the greatest concern. Chris? Yeah, and they're you, they're making their fortunes on the front end, but they don't realize that on the back end we're all in the same boat together. Um, David Stockman has this uh, telling quote. He says, It is ironic in the extreme, therefore, that the credit-based boom in consumption and financial speculation that was engineered by the Greenspan Fed has been touted as, as evidence of the success of the Reagan Revolution's supply-side policies. In fact, the Keynesian boom of the 1980s and the money-printing bubble of the 1990s were anti-supply-side. Two decades of exporting U.S. Treasury debt and fiat dollars was generating damaging economic blowback aimed at the very heart of the economy's actual capacity to produce output and jobs. And he's talking specifically there, Sam, about the fact that since we were now, starting in the 90s, we became addicted to cheap Chinese goods, we now were forced to suppress uh, incomes or um, uh, what am I thinking of wages in America in order to for us to uh, continue to compete with those cheap goods and we're suffering from that today it's actually when we compete with slave labor countries like China we are then forced our uh, workers are, are forced to have their uh, wages suppressed and and that's one of the the blowback elements of this uh, supply-side economics philosophy now, the sad part about it, ladies and gentlemen, is what we create and what is the really the culmination of this is not only a massive deficit that puts us in jeopardy, uh, not only is the promoting of principles which we completely disagree with, socialist and communist regimes, but it gets worse, ladies and gentlemen, because the Reagan revolution was a revolution, but on the backs of this 40, 50-year agenda that Democrats and Republicans and all the deep state folks have pushed for, the shadow government has pushed for for decades on both sides of the Hegelian dialectic deception, is the growth of the not only welfare state, but warfare state as well, ladies and gentlemen, right? And the growth of the warfare state is of great concern. The fall of communism in the Soviet Union, Chris, it's a big old lie. It was a farce. Uh, Joel Skousen, and I, he's got a whole article in his World Affairs Brief, but I'll just uh, sh uh, share a, a brief quote. He says, the fall of communism in the Soviet Union was a carefully crafted deception. And I add to that, the transition from uh, the socialism of the Soviet Union to glasnost and perestroika, remember those words in the 1980s and 90s? They were going to transition to uh, more openness, more transparency in government, and more freedom. Uh, I think glasnost means... Uh, yeah, like transparency on the coronavirus, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Okay, anyway, let me finish what I, my comments here. So the transition from the socialism of the Soviet Union to glasnost and perestroika was just a transition to authoritarianism under another name. Does Russia have the, the enjoy the Second Amendment today, Sam? How about the Fourth Amendment? How about freedom, complete freedom of speech, freedom of the press? They don't enjoy any of those things today. Not that we fully enjoy them either. But the fact of the matter is, they really didn't transition, uh, you know, from an authoritarian state to to one that enjoys um, a bill of rights like we do. They just transitioned to a, another uh, label uh, that satisfied not only uh, the American people but apparently the Russian people. And uh, you know, meet the new boss, the same as the old boss, just like the theme of the show today. So, uh, and then David Stockman talks about the Soviet Union. Um, he says, indeed, virtually none of the Reagan defense buildup impacted the nuclear equation. Do you remember uh, Reagan was supposed to have been the driving force behind uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union because he was building up our military, and as a result, uh, the Soviets could not keep up, and eventually they collapsed financially as a result, and presumably socialism collapsed, and they transitioned to this glasnost and perestroika. According to Stockman, who was in the Reagan administration, that is not true. In fact, he says that uh, our military buildup was basically conventional uh, defense and uh, belligerent uh, warfare, like tanks, like planes, like uh, helicopters, things that in a nuclear holocaust would do us absolutely no good. So that that well, was but the there are also there are also things though that you can parade around and kind of promote and make it look like we have the upper hand, uh, but, but yet it's it, it's full of bluster, right? It's, it's it reminds of me of a bunch of kids running around with fake guns, and we're like, oh, they're armed to the teeth. Well, not if they're fake rifles. Okay, they're armed to the teeth, but not with the right reality on the international stage. So right, it, it, so that's kind of the idea is that it can give you this this great media op. Uh, but when it comes to truly defending we the people, falls way short. Exactly. So, did you did you want to connect? Because I want to I want to make a connection now to the George W. Bush administration. Yeah, let's do it. Because this up. is my point, though. It's been all the way through, president after president after president on either side of the aisle, ladies and gentlemen. They just play us for fools, and the deep state, the shadow government, just continues along the same agenda, regardless of which group is in power, whether you think it's, oh, it's Reagan, it's trickle-down economics, it's good, or whether you think it's Obama and uh, a disaster or whatever. You, really, the same agenda is pursued day in and day out on both sides of the deep state aisle, Chris. Yeah, the, these knee-jerk talking points like uh, supply side, like, um, you know, uh, Reaganomics, these things that the people just react to rather than uh, objectively and critically respond to and, and dig a little deeper to find out what, what's really there. Is this really benefiting us or are they just sound bites? So I think starting with Ronald Reagan, we, we began what I would refer to as a sound bite type of um, political orientation. Anyway, talking about the buildup of these conventional weapons that would do us no good uh, in, in a nuclear war against the Soviet Union. So what was this buildup all about? Who did it benefit? When did it benefit? Okay, so here's what David Stockman says in regards to that rhetorical question, Sam. There can be little doubt, therefore, that George W. Bush 
and his father before him carried out their imperial adventures in the lands ringing the Persian Gulf because they could. An accident of history had bestowed upon them a massive conventional war fighting machine, so they went to war without having to prove the case or raise an army. Let me repeat that, Sam, or raise an army because Ronald Reagan had done it for them. And they did, so they didn't have to raise an army, they didn't have to tax the people, and getting a declaration of Congress. I'm not sure that that has anything to do with Reagan, the, the declaration of Congress aspect of it. And he goes on to say... Well, hold on, hold on, must... hold on. It does, because um, what we've created over time on both sides of the aisle, presidents as well, is to steal authority from Congress, where the president can act unilaterally uh, without a declaration of war, without guidance and or approved budgets from Congress. He can just do whatever he wants, and Congress sits by, and if it goes well... Uh, then they take credit and say, see, we partnered with the president to do all these awesome things. If it goes bad, they say, well, the president did it and we got to rein him in. But they shirk their responsibility on the congressional side of the discussion. Checks and balances matter, folks. And they let the presidents, and they've increasingly done so over the last 50, 60 years, they've let the presidents literally run amok. And a lot of this started with Nixon when he jettisoned the gold and silver standards in America. A lot of this happened with Reagan and his, well, we got to fight the, you know, the Cold War. we got to this and that, and that. But we've literally let presidents run amok and violate the checks and balances uh, that are the, the, the hallmark of a true republic. Chris, that's important to note. Yep. Yeah, and that power has accumulated over the years, and Reagan is no exception to that rule. We call it the unitary executive. And I, I stand partially corrected. We did go to war in Grenada, and Congress did not de make a declaration of war. So that was a unilateral. Nah, they just let him do whatever the heck he wanted because, by golly, we got, we got um, <clears throat> um, what do they call them? We've got hostages there or whatever, so we got to just do it. It's an emergency, don't you know? And we, we right, live right. on this emergency lie 24-7 these days, a.k.a. 14 days to flatten the curve, and we're still under the emergency. And Joe's still running amok, and it's ever-increasing. And Congress simply sits back and lets it happen, where they should be impeaching and filing criminal charges against those who would abuse their executive power in such a manner. When we come back, we'll talk more about this. <clears throat> we'll talk about the warfare state. We'll talk about the communist, or the fall of communism in the Soviet Union was a carefully crafted deception. Joel Scowls and WorldAffairsBrief.com. we got a whole lot more coming final segment chris carlson on your radio okay girls about finished with your lesson on money daddy what is a buy sell spread for gold coins well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Carlson, Sam Bushman talking about really the destruction of America under the guise of patriotism. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the rise of China has not happened by accident. The warfare state and the growth of the warfare state has not happened by accident. Both presidents, on I should say all presidents on both sides of the aisle have advocated for this quote internationalization agenda backed by communism and socialism and they use all these terms on the conservative side to make you believe it's good supply side economics uh you know reaganomics trickle down whatever um on the other side they use really dog whistles for socialism and everything else but letting them let's be very clear the reagan revolution was a revolution but it was not good for the american people the chinese communist leaders are thanking reagan <laughs> for the well, for their magnificent growth. And what have they done with all the money on their magnificent growth? They've built the military like you have never seen. The fall of communism in the Soviet Union was a carefully crafted deception, ladies and gentlemen. And one of the most glaring aspects of the, quote, Reagan presidency is the fact that Reagan never questioned the legitimacy of the Federal Reserve System nor did he abolish the Department of Education. In other words, you could say he got a lot done, but nothing that would really turn the car around. Okay, A lot of these Republicans, these deep state operatives and everything else, whether it be Reagan, Trump, any of them, and I say, wow, Trump, deep state operative? Well, they may intentionally or unintentionally be part of that. I don't know. But they don't know enough or have the mojo to turn the car around. What they do is we go towards communism 150 miles per hour and then they go ahead and slow it down to 80 miles per hour temporarily but they don't turn the car around right now we're debating critical race theory which will come up next hour with our guest brandon beckham coming up all right but they talked about in the reagan days they're going to boss the department of education nowadays the fbi is investigating parents that complain about critical race theory wow a lot of good the deep state republicans did on that from Reagan to Trump, right on through, right? See, they don't get the job done. And I don't mean to attack them individually, but what happens is they fail to embrace the real policies that would change the game, Chris. Yep, and he was referred to, if you recall, Sam, I mean, we're both about the same age. We, we lived through the Reagan era. I wasn't politically active, so I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention. So most of this information comes uh, from research I did. But he was the great communicator, and I think people love that about him. And his demeanor was very conducive to the role of presidency. 
you know, compared to Donald Trump, who was rude and crude and insensitive, I, you know, I'll take Ronald Reagan any day. However, as far as actions, actual actions that move the dial in this nation, he was just the same as Jimmy Carter or Bill Clinton or Donald Trump. No change in terms of of the consequences of his presidency, except maybe negative. Um, but he was that great communicator. And um, unfortunately, Sam, people will accept that as a, to what I would call a, an inadequate substitute for a real president who actually abides by his constitutional oath and reverses. He didn't reverse anything. And we, we talked about the warfare state. I'll just read this about the, the welfare state. And this is uh, John Stockman. He said the Reagan revolution turned out to be nothing of the kind when it came to domestic spending. It did not even constitute an era of meaningful reform. Instead, a few programs were pruned, no new ones were started, and the vast bulk of federal activities carried on as before. In fiscal terms, the domestic welfare state remained at 15.5% of GDP. That was just a hair below where the Carter administration had left it <clears throat> and where it remained through the end of Bill Clinton's term. So no change through three terms of presidents. Um, the, the welfare state did not change significantly, Sam. Neither did the, well, the warfare state. It continued to build the communist war machine that whole time. And it continues today, Chris. It continues today, and it's too hard because now not only are we spending profligately, we have innocent blood on our hands because the way we go to war, uh, in many cases, kills more innocent non-combatants than the people that we claim are our enemies, and they never would be our enemies if we would mind our own business. That's the ironic thing, Sam. If we would stay within our borders, which the Lord has commanded us to do, and I've cited scripture after scripture, which demonstrates that. <clears throat> We wouldn't have nearly the number of enemies that we have today. And we have to uh, lay that on uh, Ronald Reagan's charge. I mean, he contributed to that problem in a very big way. Well, the bottom line is it continues today. It's funded by dishonest money. Uh, JFK, what was he, a Democrat, right? And he's the one that jettisoned our honest money system. Uh, but all the way, even through Trump, Trump never even challenged the Federal Reserve. Neither did Reagan. I mean, they might have had a word here or there about it. But when it comes push comes to shove, they didn't do anything. Even the Democrat JFK tried to do more than than others. Uh, but we've jettisoned honest money. JFK tried to print two dollar bills, but of course he died. So you know, where do we go with all this? It has to start at the grassroots level, and we're doing it right now, Sam. We're uh, communicating. To those who are tuned into your station, these principles, we need to continue to vote for people of integrity, people <clears throat> who are good, honest, and uh, wise. Those, those are the three, and I've repeated this over and over in our broadcast, Sam. If you're not good, if you're not honest, you're not wise, you don't get my vote, because my vote is sacred. You know, my vote <clears throat> is, is a vote in favor of the type of society that I want to live under. And, you know, the ones that we've been delivered by our executives over the last uh, 54 years, that's how old I am, uh, none of them I would consider good presidents. None of them uh, earned my votes. And we, we need to start voting that way, regardless of whether the candidate that we can support stands a chance of winning. I believe that uh, we need to just do what is right and let the consequence fall. And don't follow these people that say, well, you got to vote for the lesser of two evils, because if you don't, then the more evil... <coughs> 
uh, will get voted into office and then we'll be worse off. No, I'd, I used to buy into that philosophy, but I'm done with that, Sam. I just vote for the, the, the person who will abide by the Constitution and I can sleep well at night as a result. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to be very clear about this statement. Uh, Chris wrote a statement that says one of the most glaring aspects of the Reagan presidency. I'm going to write the Reagan and Trump's presidencies was the fact that neither of them questioned the legitimacy of the Federal Reserve or did they abolish the education department? All right, why? Why didn't either of these presidents do that? Now, you could say, well, Sam, they couldn't take on something as big and as gnarly as the Federal Reserve. They could have taken it a long way. Ron Paul ran for president, even though he didn't make it as president. He probably would have if he had a fair treatment of the media. But Ron Paul single-handedly put uh, the debate about the Federal Reserve and auditing the Fed, at the least, on the national stage. Just imagine if a Trump hammered home on that all four years as president, hammered home on that as his run to the presidency, et cetera, or Reagan, for that matter. Just think of what they could have done to expose that. Now, you say, well, they might not have got the Federal Reserve done. No, but they could have stood as really landmarks in history for honesty in the media, honesty in money. Uh, but they could have abolished the education department fairly easily. Uh, but neither of them even did that. And I say to you that I am highlighting this reality, that it is a problem. Why haven't we abolished those things? And can I add some perspective to that? <clears throat> sure. Here's the thing. We've talked about Saul Alinsky. Obviously, he's a very poor example of leadership. But he did have an effective system that we're seeing played out today. Pressure from above, pressure from below. Why doesn't a president who has access to the ears of tens of millions of Americans, why doesn't a president have a fireside chat, sit down with the American people and say, listen, we have got some pressure from above, but we need a lot more pressure from the grassroots level on our local leaders, on our state uh, representatives and on our federal representatives to abolish the Department of Education, to abolish um, the, uh, all of these unconstitutional uh, departments that, that have been accumulated over the years that do nothing but uh, encroach upon states' rights. He didn't communicate that to the American people and articulate constitutional principles that made this nation great. That's the biggest thing I have with uh, the leaderships that we've had late, late, lately, Sam. They're, they're um, unwillingness to use what is affectionately called the bully pulpit to communicate uh, divine and constitutional truths to the American people so that we could start looking on government from a different perspective and they never took advantage of that golden opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to ask why. Why did Reagan, why did Trump never really abolish the education department? Why? Now we're debating critical race theory in the education departments. Now the FBI is literally using their resources to, to attack and spy on parents and consider them terrorists because they don't want this, this hostile race, dishonest, divisionary agenda taught in their schools. And now the FBI is doing the bidding of what? The education system, department, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, you got to blame Reagan and Trump for some degree for it. Because they could have put a stop to it, but they did nothing, Chris. Yep. 
And that's not even one of their constitutional powers. That's the ironic thing about it. It's, it's the ability to have access to the ears of tens of millions of Americans. And it's one of the most powerful tools that a leader can have. You know, leaders throughout generations of times, they have always uh, made sure that they were able to communicate principles to their subjects. Well, <laughs> you know, mostly righteous leaders were able to uh, communicate uh, righteous principles. But unfortunately, what people like... Um, <coughs> Stalin and uh, Hitler were able to uh, articulate unrighteous principles, which had the opposite effect. But Americans need to start recognizing, Sam, that the threat of, um, of our nation from within is just as much, if not more, uh, than the threat from without. Instead of uh, compiling uh, military armaments in defense of a China or a Russia or some other external enemy, we need to be educating our people on the fact that our greatest threat is from within because if we become demoralized from within, then those external threats will have a much easier time defeating us. And I think that's where we need to start. Jesus said that you need to clean the inner vessel before you can clean the outer vessel. And we have a big enough job. We send all our money overseas to these different countries, you know, in the form of aid. I think we need to keep it here and focus our efforts on cleansing the inner vessel before we can expect the outer vessel to ever be clean, cleansed. So, Wise, ladies and gentlemen, not only do we need to clean the inner vessel before we look outward, we need to realize that, you know what, now, the Founding Fathers taught that we'd never be destroyed from outside. It would take within to destroy the greatest country on the face of the earth. And let's be very clear, we always think we got to go to the national, to the president, that we can put our faith in a a Ronald Reagan or a Donald Trump or somebody, and they'll save us. There's only one Savior, ladies and gentlemen, and that is Jesus Christ. Got it? There's only one Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. If we want to save our country, we need to start as local as we can get, and we need to work hard to insist on the checks and balances, insist on the constitutional proper role of government, and then we can work from the most local, the most close-to-the-people government. And once it's working right, we can then have it trickle down to folks like Don and Ron and others. Got it? Good. Chris Carlson, thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving Americans everywhere, continuing our duty, sir. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that was refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for November the 19th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two in our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful 
restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And by the way, it is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time. Friday, you got to dig that. And I also want to remind you about our callforcivility.com website. Callforcivility.com. Based on an article that I wrote back in 2015 called A Clarion Call for Civility. And uh, we've got a pledge up there, and we're going to put together a speaking tour, and a whole lot of work is going into callforcivility.com. Hopefully, you'll go there and take the pledge, and hopefully, you'll do it today. All right, we're going from one incredible guest to the next on your radio. Brandon Beckham is with us. Brandon Beckham is a filmmaker. He's also a big uh, Republican man who has fought against critical race theory like no other. The guy's done a phenomenal job exposing critical race theory for what it is, and then most importantly, highlighting what we, the people, can do about it. Where I met Brandon uh, was at a critical race theory conference where one of my co-hosts on LovingLiberty.net, nationally syndicated radio, C.L. Bryant, spoke. Uh, I was there helping run a booth for Loving Liberty, uh, and all I'm telling you is great people doing great things. Brandon Beckham, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Uh-oh. All right, we'll try to. Hi, Brandon. <clears throat> All right, we'll we'll try to get uh we'll try to get Brandon uh back with us here in a second, ladies and gentlemen. But Brandon has done a real phenomenal job. He's a filmmaker, by the way. Um but he does so much more than just that, I might add. He's the author of the powerful resolution against critical race theory uh, in Utah schools. Now, um, really, his work should be, uh, in my opinion, um, duplicated across the country because it's not only Utah schools uh, that needs to worry about that. It's more, right? It's more than just Utah schools, folks. Um, it is all across the country. This, I'm going to call it a plague, if you will. Um, this plague has been going on in America for some time. And I'll tell you the big problem with it, right? The problem with it is it's dishonest, folks. What do I mean by that? They tell you that this critical race theory stuff is not going on in your school, that they're not teaching this stuff in your school, but they are, and they flat out lie, and they've been caught lying. Brandon Beckham, welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Sam. All right, excellent. We sure appreciate it, sir. So there's so much going on. Let's talk about you a little bit first. Uh, you're a filmmaker. You've done a lot in your life, but really you've culminated to be kind of the uh, uh, one of the greatest defenders of liberty and rejection of critical race theory um, people we can find. But but first, who's Brandon? Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting question. I, I have my hands in a lot of things. I, you know, I first went to. Uh, flight school when I was younger I got out of high school went to aviation training didn't think I was going to do that as a career so I went into film school I'm just more of a creative person uh, finished film school started a, a production company with a, another graduate there um, colleague and did that for a number of years during that time we had the tea parties pop out and uh, I started getting more involved in politics just realized I was a lot more passionate about that than I was uh, just you know uh, making a, a film production or video production and 
And uh, I wanted to use those, but I wanted to use those skills in uh, in the area of politics, basically to help good people get elected, to um, to uh, get the right policies in place for, for good causes. I'm, I'm a big constitutional uh, uh, supporter and um, defender. I my dad grew up. Uh, I grew up with it, with it always being talked about. Uh, my dad was a, a constitutional instructor with Cleon Skousen. I'm sure you're aware of who he is. Um, and, uh, and so for me, um, once I decided that that's where I wanted to be in that, in that space, defending Liberty, um, I, I switched everything around in my life. I went back to school, I did another undergrad in political science, and then I went to DC and, uh, did a graduate program at George Washington on masters of legislative affairs. And, um, ever since I, uh, have been in this space and to me, Critical race theory, it's, it's, uh, it's an abs- – well, if you, if you think about it, um, when, when Abraham Lincoln was a young man, he gave a speech to a, a young, young man. Um, this is way before he was, was president, but he gave a speech in, in Illinois about the, the, the political uh, – the per- per- Uh oh. We'll try to get Brandon back here. He disappeared, ladies and gentlemen. But he's talking about Lincoln, talking about a speech that he gave, um, you know, well before he was really known and popular on the quote national stage. It was a speech given in Illinois to young men. And it kind of really illustrates who Lincoln is uh, and what he stood for, what he focused on, and what really kind of culminated in this big discussion. Why is Lincoln so relevant now, you may ask? Ah, well, because remember, they want you to believe this, uh, the Civil War was all about slavery. Now, I think it was more about states' rights to a great degree than slavery, but n- no doubt Lincoln goes down in history um, as really one of the, uh, if you're on the side of the South, one of the worst guys on the planet. If you're on the side of the North, one of the best guys on the planet. If you're like me and you give credit for both sides uh, and you're not really interested in dividing in the war, but you're interested in saying, I'm grateful we stayed together as a nation— and I'm also grateful that, you know what, we don't have slavery in America. And you're also grateful that, um, you know, we didn't lose all of our state's rights. We should have defended them better over the years. Uh, but you, then you kind of start to say, well, hey, Lincoln, along with many other presidents, um, you know, there's a lot of bad to their presidencies. But we got to focus on the good that they've done uh, as well. Lincoln is one of those people. Do we got Brandon back? <clears throat> all right. We'll try to get Brandon back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh <clears throat> this is important to understand this history, though, because critical race theory is at the center of a lot of that discussion, right? Um, people need to understand that. And on one hand, to understand critical race theory or the reasons they believe in it um, is because of what happened during, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to call it, but during the Lincoln era, so to speak, right? I mean, that's critical to kind of understand. And it's, it's really difficult to put it all together if you don't have that historical context in place. It's about impossible to kind of understand. It's, it's about impossible to understand what's really going on with this critical race theory discussion. Because the critical race theory agenda is this. <clears throat> Whites are racist, and they cannot prevent it. They can't stop it. That's who they are. I mean, they're even racist as babies, for crying out loud. 
because they're white. Everybody else is a victim and cannot by very nature be a racist, okay? It's not possible, so to speak, uh, because of the abuse, because of the victimhood, whatever you want to call it, that they experience, right? That's kind of the problem with the discussion is there's no way that whites can really um, separate themselves from their racist nature, okay? And so as a result then, whites are always racist, and it can never be changed, really. And blacks and and anybody else who's not, quote, white is a victim, and you can never really change that. (laughs) And so because of that fact, that reality, that innate, inescapable reality, then every interaction must be viewed through this racial lens. That's critical race theory in a nutshell, folks. And uh, it is very uh, nefarious. It's very deceptive. It's very dishonest. Why? Because, number one, it isn't true. And number two, it can never, you can never right the wrong. You can never change the game. You can never fix it. So not only is it a deceptive lie, but you can never recover. You can never fix it. And thus, the division of people forever, evermore is assured. If you buy into the lie of critical race theory, it is not possible to prevent or change or solve. It's just a... Well, it's a way to divide and destroy all that we hold dear. And that's why Brandon Beckham and others are so against it. That's why I am so against it. Because it's not true. And because there's no way to escape its, quote, clutches or reality. There's no way to heal the divide. There's no way to change the game in any way that can bring healing and stability and safety and protection and unity. Or even civility for that matter. That's the problem. When we get back... We'll have Brandon Beckham break this down. Don't know why we lost him, but we'll grab him and uh, work on this. We'll do it all in seconds on Liberty Roundtable Live. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. 
The Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Beckham with me, well-known filmmaker, but he also now uh, has expertise in political ease, if you will, and he stands for the supreme law of the land and the Constitution. He's been working uh, within the state of Utah and within the Republican Party to really make a difference. What are the key components he's focused the most on and uh, where I met him from, et cetera, is this critical race theory that I'm talking about where, you know what, the whites are the racist, everybody else is a victim, there's no way to solve it or do anything about it, it's so inherent, so deep, I mean, even... Everything in your life is racist, even the roads, okay? And, and this idea, this critical race theory, number one, it's dishonest. It isn't true. And number two, there's no way to back away from the divide that it creates because if you accept the theory, there's no way really to fix the problem either. Brandon? Yeah. You know, the thing is, is it's, it's sort of like a religion. You know, uh, once, you're, once you're initiated into the religion, um you you're 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 deep into it and it's it's involved every aspect of your life you know the the biggest thing though is this is an affront to our constitutional foundation um it it defies the and basically dismisses the very principle that uh, our country was founded on and that is that all men are created equal that's in our declaration of independence and even though our country uh didn't live up to that at first right it took a while for us to get to to where everybody is enjoying freedom in our country um the, the critical race theory says no not all men are created equal not all people are created equal in fact we're not and if you're white you're you're always at, a, at, at an advantage and if you're if you're any any person of color you do you have no advantage over whites you you um because of um, generational trauma, your brains didn't develop properly, um, and therefore you're always at a disadvantage. And therefore, we need to change policy and, and provide things to help those of color uh, become successful and compete. And this is the biggest insult to people of color, uh, especially those that are black, um, that that they are in that state. When we know that there's successful black people all over the country, or successful people of color of all races and this this is just a slap in the face to them and i think when you look at how it, it you, that, that that approach to younger people uh the younger kids in school is there anything worse than telling a kid that uh, you're stuck and you can't go anywhere that uh, you're at a disadvantage or do you want to be more empowering 
And well, um, and it, it genders a hate too. Not only stuck, not only stuck and disadvantaged. Here's the people who caused that, and they point them out, generating hate along the way. Yeah, I mean, and there's no doubt about it. There's they, they they separate people depending on the race, which is a violation of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, um, and they have all kinds of uh, ways of of doing that. There's there's uh, there's several ways that CRT is manifest. Um, it's it's in every aspect. It's being installed in every aspect of our society. But the biggest one is school, uh, public schools. And so the, when when I got involved in this, um, we passed a resolution at the GOP uh, for the GOP uh, here in Utah, a resolution on policy. It was a policy statement that critical race theory is is not acceptable and that it needs to be prohibited. And we're asking for legislation this next session. That was in June. Ever since then, I've been in this, and I can tell you that um, critical race theory is not <laughs> – it's not just curriculum. It's not just uh, you know, propaganda that you see in the schools, but it also manifests itself in teacher training, which we don't talk about much. Um, teacher training, it teaches you know, the, the teachers to instruct their kids – through this range of this 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 lens of identity, uh, and any subject, any subject. In fact, if you look at the, the Canyon District here in Utah, you had Sam Crowley, who was a music teacher, and they were asking him to add. They wanted to add 20 minutes to his class to teach social emotional learning, which is code for uh, critical race theory. It, it it is the curriculum in that district, uh, one of which that brings in critical race theory elements. More than likely, you'll never see critical race theory uh, written across anything um, unless you're in places like Washington or you know, Oregon or something. Uh, but here in, in most places, you're just going to see the concepts of it. And it, it goes to, it comes into the public school system through this SEL or social emotional learning requirements, right? They have these commissions, these equity commissions or whatever. And they'll take the SEL requirements and then make a recommendation of what they should do in terms of um, how to implement that in all the different subjects. Um, it's, it's, it's disturbing. Uh, and um, it's amazing the information we've, we've come across. Um, um, what they're really doing, the- what they're really doing, Brandon, just so people understand it, is they realize that critical race theory is uh, being exposed. They realize we're on to them about it. So what they're doing is they're using this, quote, social emotional learning idea is really a gateway to flat out hardcore CRT, right? A hundred percent gateway. And, and, and when, when Sam Crowley, this teacher over here that resigned, he resigned because they want him to teach that when he resigned, then you had uh, all the parents, especially those from Utah parents United put a, a micro, uh, a magnifying glass on that, on that uh, curriculum. And they just voted to get rid of it after the pushback of parents. And that's an amazing breakthrough. And we hope that most of the districts around the state will follow that. Um, it, is, it is not just that, though. Uh, there's a certain language with, with critical race theory. Um, and you have to understand this language. You know, there, there's uh, buzzwords, if you will, like 
equity, inclusion. Um, now stop, you know, stop, because I want to really, I want to really focus on this. They used to talk equality because that's what people liked and understood. The women's movement, the feminist movement, the uh, racial movement, all that was based on this idea of equality. Now what they want to do is they want to jettison equality and say, you know, equality is not really fair. What we need is equity, and equity really means let's tip the scales in favor of the few at the expense of the many. Uh, it's only the fair way to do it. And so equity would say, hey. If a man has to do 50 push-ups, a woman can do 30, and it's virtually the same because there's equity there. And it makes uh, equity backs into this equality idea where equality is is, is on the equity altar. Uh, and, and so they do this because it deceives the people into thinking they're honest, open, and fair, and kind, and good, and genuine. And But it's all a big lie, Brandon. It is a lie. You know, um, if, you're, if you're a kid, because of the nature of your skin, you're automatically an oppressor. And if you're not, then you're the oppressed. And so you can imagine how it affects the, the, the relationships of, of students, of kids. And, and then you go beyond that, and we're hearing stories of also affecting staff and faculty in these schools where, where racial tensions were never there, and now they've all of a sudden come back. And it's because of this push of critical race theory, which there, it doesn't just it, – it doesn't just uh, – you know – talk about it doesn't just like affect rate you know the race relations but it also teaches to hate the country because it 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 is an affront to everything we stand for you know the 1619 project um is that this country is all based on a systemic racism that was founded on slavery and that everything we have in our country the declaration the constitution the laws the federal government all these governments are supposedly put up and, and organized to prop up white supremacy and to keep people of color down. And so what we're doing with <laughs> allowing critical race theory to stay in our schools is we're raising a generation of kids that will go up, and then they are the, the new voting block for the country, and they are going to be the leaders, and these people will hate the country. And that this is the and they'll hate And they'll hate the, the country, and they'll hate the country because they've been basically taught this lie in a formalized setting, backed by parents, backed by society, which teaches this idea that, hey, these evil people who created this evil government, created this evil caste system that has either held you down, if you're not white, and or given you special privilege if you are white. And that's why I say that it can never be backed away from. It can never be uh, overcome. In other words, there's no solution in sight once you accept the critical race theory lie. There's no way to back away from it or ever overcome the, the wedge that it, that it cements into our society, Brandon. Yeah, you know, it, it, the, we, what we've learned, though, is from some of these, some of these uh, interviews we've done in our, our, our film. We're doing a documentary film on critical race theory with a focus on Utah. We've interviewed teachers, we've interviewed students, we've interviewed parents. It seems like that the overall theme here is you have this subculture in education that that uh, that thrives these these mechanisms in working order to, to to keep critical race theory going. And part of that is the intimidation factor it has on on other teachers and they don't want to talk about it because they're scared of losing their job hang tight Brandon Beckham with me we're talking about critical race theory Brandon is the author 
of the powerful resolution against CRT in schools. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The House is back at it this morning, attempting to pass the massive partisan social spending bill, also known as H.R. 5376, moments ago in Washington. Pursuant to House Resolution 8, I informed the House that Ms. Trahan of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts will vote yay on H.R. 5376, the Build Back Better Act. Madam Speaker, as a member designated by Mr. Fallon, the great state of Texas, I inform the House that Mr. Fallon will vote no on H.R. 5376. As a member designated by Mr. Jackson from the great state of Texas, I inform the House that Mr. Jackson will vote no on H.R. 5376. The Food and Drug Administration has cleared Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 boosters for all U.S. adults. Boosters can be used in all individuals now ages 18 and older who have completed a primary vaccination. USA Radio News. This report is sponsored by Office Depot. Just in time for the holiday season, Office Depot customers can now enjoy 20-minute in-store and curbside pickup, helping to get orders faster and easier than ever before. Customers can also save all season long, both online and in-store, on office furniture, laptops, monitors, planners, calendars, and a wide variety of other supplies and business essentials. From now until the end of the year, Office Depot will feature new daily and weekly holiday deals to help small business owners, remote professionals, students, and teachers teachers finish 2021 strong and prepare for the new year ahead and don't forget about additional chances to save on black friday and cyber monday shoppers can also stretch their dollars further this season with a free office depot office max rewards program membership with office depot holiday time is the perfect time to take advantage of deals on must-have supplies time-saving services and top shelf gifts for every wish list to learn more visit officedepot.com or officedepot.com slash store locator to find a store near you the investigation of the Astro World concert tragedy resulting in many deaths from a crowd surge may have had more people in attendance than was allowed to be in there. Officials believe there may have been 12,000 unticketed attendees at a deadly Southeast Texas music festival. The general manager of NRG Park telling Harris County Sports and Convention Cooperation board members on Wednesday almost 38,000 tickets were scanned for Astro World. However, Houston firefighters have estimated 50,000 were at the Travis Scott-backed festival earlier this month. Ten people ended up dying and dozens more were hurt when fans pushed toward the stage during the rapper's performance. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. As many as 300 vessels from China's maritime militia are now patrolling the waters in the South China Sea. Beijing continues to claim ownership of the disputed waters. Militia tactics have escalated since 2019 when a Chinese vessel collided with a wooden Filipino ship sinking it. USA Radio News. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Brandon Beckham, Sam Bushman, discussing critical race theory like nobody's business. You say, who's Brandon if you're from across the country and you're not familiar with his incredible work? Brandon Beckham is not only a filmmaker, he's making a film on critical race theory with a focus on Utah. Believe it or not, in one of the most conservative states of the union, critical race theory runs through the education system with reckless abandon, and most folks don't even really realize it even exists. It's a tragic situation, but Brandon Beckham, folks, is author of the powerful 
resolution against critical race theory in Utah schools. And that um, resolution can be really, um, hopefully, uh, duplicated across the country uh, for sure. Um, Social emotional learning, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing but a gateway to the hardcore CRT agenda. Okay? Understand that. So there's buzzwords all through this stuff. Uh, But before Brandon uh, got cut off by technical difficulties, and we're so sorry about that, he was telling a story about when Lincoln was a boy. Brandon? Yeah, so uh, I apologize for getting off there, but yeah, so what I was looking at when I was when I was chatting with you guys, when I what I remember when I was dealing with critical race theory, and I first came across it, was the speech that uh, Lincoln gave in um, 1838, um, way before he was uh, president. Um, but he was talking to a group of young men uh, um, about the uh, political uh, institutions of our country and. And how they needed to be perpetuated. Um, he he was talking about the Constitution and how um, we needed to adhere to that to keep the country together. Um, at the time, there was a lot of vigilantism uh, around the country, um, and he was concerned about that. And uh, they they kind of were wondering, you know, well, is there you know the, these students were wondering, is there ever going to be uh, a, a chance of our country falling, you know, uh, to to uh, another foreign country and uh, he, he talked about um how that well i mean it, it was ever if we ever had this danger on our doorsteps um it would never come from abroad but the the destruction would be um our own doing and we would be the author and finisher if you will uh, and, and his quote is as a nation of free men we must live through all time or die by suicide and uh, i look at critical race theory and i that to me uh, is the blueprint for national suicide. That's the blueprint to destroy the, the republic. In my opinion, it is because it, it, it wedges – keep in mind the, the main part of the Constitution, the main goal of the Constitution is to have a more perfect union. How, how do you have, when you have a strong union, um, then you have a strong country. And so critical race theory does two things. It divides people based on race and identity. It's not just um, race, but it has to do with identity, meaning sexual orientation and that stuff. And critical race theory also teaches that the country itself is um, is unworthy uh, to support. It doesn't deserve it. It's 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 a it's a it's a, a prop up for white supremacy. And so therefore, everything the founders, the all of our laws, everything it it's a crock. And so. CRT does this, and if you if you allow it to continue to gain a foothold on our our society here, especially in education, then you're bringing up a new generation. This will lead to, uh, I mean, can you imagine? Even on both sides of the aisle here, both most ideologies in our country, we we generally accept the Constitution as the law of the land. But if you raise up a generation that hates it and feels that it's put them down, then it's it's time to get rid of it, and that is what scares me the most. Uh, and so that's why I—that was my impetus to get involved and 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 put forth a, a resolution in our party here in Utah to to have a statement on this that we need to we need to pull it out of our schools. We need to make sure those 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 divisive concepts and those anti-American, anti-freedom concepts are are taken away. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This issue is serious, and I agree with Lincoln. 
that you know what? If we're not very careful, ladies and gentlemen, we will be destroyed from within. And you know, you think uh, critical race theory is just so goofy. You think, oh my gosh, you know, how, how could people really believe this? But you got to understand that it's got a foothold in our society like you would not believe. It is shocking. On one hand, how psychotic the notion is. Hey, everybody needs to view everything through race. And whites are always racist. Even the babies, they're racist. And everybody else is a victim. And, hey, everything needs to be viewed through this lens. And you kind of go, it's, it's crazy. I know, ladies and gentlemen, but the social-emotional learning is nothing but a gateway to the hardcore CRT agenda. Okay? They're using this system called CELL, S-E-L. So you got to ask, what is CELL? But its parents are pushing back against this CRT Trojan horse. Uh, people aren't realizing this is highly organized. And it's uniquely positioned to literally change the whole outlook and views of the next generation. To believe that, you know what, the founders were racist. Your parents are really racist. In fact, they're so racist, you probably not better share, you probably better not even share your knowledge about how evil your parents are with them because they'll well, in their racist agenda, they'll push back. They'll get all offended. And, and so they're dividing the next generation. And you can think this is just a laughable matter. But I'm here to tell you, it is sinister. It's in your face. And it's everywhere. Uh, and they're using tools like SEL, S-E-L, to make it happen, Brandon. Yeah, social-emotional learning is, is basically a requirement that is being put forth in all the school districts around the country. And what they'll do, generally, is they'll have this this uh, uh, equity commission or, you know, belonging, they'll have some type of word like that, uh, inclusivity. Um, and these, these commissions or this committee, whatever, will put together um, what type of they should have or bring in or what type of things should be changed or, or, or adapted, if you will, to install the critical race theory concepts into um, the, the whole school system. Um, and, and in, in general, you know, there's, there's going to be um, uh, all kinds of different uh, uh, company or uh, different uh, ways to put that in place. You know, it's, but, but people need to understand it is not written down as critical race theory. So people in the media can sit there and say, oh, yeah, it's not being taught. It's not being taught. But the fact of the matter is, is if you look at the concepts, the concepts of CRT are embedded, and they're, they're all over the place. Uh, any subject, any subject can have it. And so you'll have uh, – and, and by the way, there's other ways to, to, to recognize that too. For social-emotional learning, in, in, uh, in Utah, uh, there's Canyon's District. Canyon's District, to, to, to satisfy the social-emotional learning, they installed – this this uh, uh, curriculum called Second Step, and Second Step was uh, it was put in place in other school districts too, and it's it's part of satisfying the social emotional learning. And one teacher decided to push back on that, and he said, "I'm not going to teach it." And they said, "Well, if you don't teach it, it's kind of hard for you to be a teacher here." And so he he resigned. When he resigned, it started a landslide of 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 people focusing on, on that district and that curriculum so much so that they had it up for a vote just the other week and it's gone now. It's, it's been taken out of the school district. So this is just an example, but Sam, if you, if you, if you can think in terms of 
how, what, which ways can I put in, you know, CRT um, in schools? You, you can find it. Just think about it. Be creative. It's there. So it's, it's a, I'm going to go through it. There's at least, there's at least seven ways that it's identified in, in education. You have teacher training, which I already mentioned this. Teacher training is very confidential. They can't share it. Um, they, they go through this training that, that introduces critical race theory concepts into virtually every subject. Um, they actually will, the teacher training will have exercises too that involves um, teachers um, doing critical race theory exercises, like the privilege walk, if you will, among their own faculty. It's, it's manifest in curriculum. Now, hold on. Before, before you go on, though, about this training, uh, the idea that this is secret or that, 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 that the people can't know what their teachers, what their educators are being trained is psychotic in and of itself, Brandon. I mean, yeah. Americans should yeah. say, are you have you lost your mind? Right. It, you know, it's crazy because we, we're paying for it. <laughs> That's right. And it's our children saying. being taught it. Yeah. Nothing should be secret in, in that. But it is. The, the teachers, I'm told, are even at some, some places, they have to sign in the NDAs. Um, the second step program, the second step curriculum was teachers are supposed to, or parents are supposed to have uh, access to this stuff. Well, they were told that they couldn't, they couldn't look at this curriculum online, and they could only go look at it in a, a physical copy of it down at the, the school district between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m. I mean, talk about a way to really keep it away from uh, parents when they're, they, they, they have very little chance to get down there. Brandon Beckham with us, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips. We're talking about critical race theory and seven ways you can detect it in your society and government schools. We're going to finish on that. We're going to talk about the FBI and their abuses relating to all this. And then what can we do to reject it from society and our schools? How do we work on this, folks? We'll talk about it in seconds. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things, and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be a good example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. call is being transferred to the listening ear. Listening professionals dedicated to hearing you. 
Hello, listening here. Who am I listening to? Um, Carrie, but I was calling my mom. Yes, you were, but your mom was so busy, she felt it was important for you to have someone who could completely focus on listening to you and you alone. So she subscribed to our service. Go ahead, I'm listening. Well, I'm not quite sure. Where to start? Well, I can listen to school issues like science projects. I can listen to boy problems, although that's an extra $3 per call because of the emotional drain on me. How about we start with how you wish you had made cheerleader? I didn't try out for cheerleader. Uh, this isn't, uh, Mary? Carrie. I'm Carrie. Oh, oh, sorry. There is no substitute for a loving parent. And when you really listen, love is what they'll hear. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Brandon Beckham with us. We're talking about critical race theory, seven ways to detect it. Number one, hey, what the teachers are being taught. They're being taught this stuff in secret in teacher trainings. Brandon? Yeah, you have teacher trainings, which is very confidential. Um, it's hard to find these. But, but the teachers that we've interviewed, um, they have had this training. It's ongoing. And uh, uh, a lot of teachers that uh, don't buy into it, they'll just kind of you know, go through the motions of it. Um, some will, will have issues with it and bring it up, but they, they're pretty much silenced. And, and a lot of teachers we found are very scared to talk. They're very scared to talk. It's almost like this, you know, it's like Germany, you know, 1930s. It's, it's, it's like a secret society that you can't talk about this stuff. And if you do, you're going to, you know, lose your job uh, or be ostracized by your colleagues. Um, and so it, it keeps things sort of like internal. Um, we've interviewed some teachers that have spoken out about it, and I'm telling you, it's a rare find. <laughs> it's a rare find, but uh, it's very powerful to hear. The other way uh, critical race theory is manifest is through student assessment tests, okay? And a lot of these tests now are online so that, uh, um, you know, the, the student has to check in. He has to log in by himself. Only the student can log in. The teacher can't see it. The, the parent can't see it. It is just the student. And those tests will have critical race theory type questions in there. And they also have, have questions that um, keep, that, that, that sort of perpetuate this, you shouldn't listen to your parents, um, the idea of detaching from your parents because they don't have the, the moral compass to deal with the issues today they're not as smart as the teachers. And so therefore, you know, you shouldn't look to your parents for help. Um, so student assessment tests, uh, classroom activities. This is, this is the other one. So there's, there's these activities, these CRT type of activities, like for example, um, step down from your privilege activity. Um, they have this privilege walk, which is uh, where you have student classmates line up on a, on a line. And then, the facilitator or the teacher will ask questions um, that are based on identity and and then it, the students will walk forward or backwards uh, depending on that and so if you're for example if you're if you're white take two steps forward if you're black or, or person of color take two steps back the idea is is through the through these series of questions you separate white kids from all uh, those of color and then those that are white are deemed uh, are labeled uh, oppressors 
And you can imagine what happens at that point when, and then those of color labored oppressed, uh, labeled oppressed. And so it divides kids right away. They learn that white people are, are bad people, um, regardless of, of what their history is and whether or not they're actually racist. And when you say um, oppressors, way, you got to add the term privileged. And when you say uh, oppressed, then you got to add victim, right? Yes, it teaches victimhood. And that's one of the things that's, that's been devastating to me because, you know, it's one thing to tell kids that there's racism. It's another thing to say you're a victim. I mean, it's, it's very uh, anti-empowerment. And I think that it, that's what sets the stage for failure when you say you're a victim and now you have an excuse to fail. Um, it, it's, it's very unproductive. Um, the other ways it manifests itself is through symbolism, propaganda, stuff that you see posted uh, all over the school, BLM things. Uh, there's posters that, that talk about, uh, you know, uh, have stuff dealing with uh, um, transgenderism and so forth. That's the other thing that's not talked about here a lot is transgenderism is and and sexual identity and and gender identity those things are 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 locked in place with this and what happens is is a lot of white kids will join that group because they're 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 irredeemable unless they're in some type of like victim group um and so you know they can't join the group with the color kids because that's they're not allowed to and so they have to find a place to go to and to, to avoid the ridicule and, and the bullying. So they, they'll gravitate towards um, transgender groups or stuff dealing with LGBTQ. And that we've, we've done some interviews about that. It's pretty crazy. Uh, but and they also love to use, they also use, love to use this sex redefinition reality or this identifying sexually because they know that's what will divide them, unequivocally divide them from their parents. There's no way to, to really have a normal relationship with your parent ever again. Now, that's not always true. A lot of parents are kind and loving and uh, try to work through that with their children. But what I'm telling you is it's an irreparable problem they've created uh, when the children go down this because now there's these these divisions. My parents are racist, and they also don't understand me, and they never will. And we've got this massive moral um, millstone dividing us or separating us over this. That's kind of the, the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. Um but, you know, if, if you look – I mean, think about this. I mentioned earlier, you raise a generation that hates the generations before it, that hates the country before it. This is all part of that scheme, all part of that plan. How can you change the country? How do you change the country and get rid of the Constitution? Because that's the thing that keeps freedom in play here. Those are, that's the institution. And how do you get rid of that? You, you do it by having your kids hate the country and detach them from their parents' love of the country or acceptance of the constitutional uh, support for the constitution, support for liberty and the institutions we have um, that were put by our founders. That's what this is all about. And so all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to we're gonna have to hurry because we're about out of time, and I want to get to a few other things with Brandon. I believe the Constitution is critical. They want to jettison that so they can destroy the country. But what I really believe they're coming for is the Christians because Christianity is where you gain the moral high ground uh, based on principle. That's where the principles that made America great through the Constitution come from. And so they really want to reject. Uh, eventually, they're coming for the Christians, and your Christianity, your belief in Christ will be eventually the real fault line, the believers in Christ versus those who do not. 
Now, the FBI, believe it or not, is involved in this to a great degree, sad to say. You think it's just a crazy agenda by a few wackos? No, this is even backed by the government. Parents are speaking out against critical race theory, against perverted sex taught in their schools. All this is tied together. Parents are now getting wind of it and going, wait a minute, no, no, no. Now the FBI is using, quote, counterterrorism tools to literally track and attack parents. Jim Jordan in Congress even says, hey, Attorney General Garland needs to explain the FBI tracking going on. It's that bad. But the FBI uh, said we're not involved in this, but now we find out they lied too. Brandon? Yeah, you had uh, FBI basically deny this. You also had Merrick Garland in front of Congress lie uh, and say that it's not happening. But, in fact, it is. It, this, is all, this all stemmed from uh, the National School Board Association, which wrote the letter, um, and then they implemented this, the, the, labeled the parents domestic terrorists. And I, it, it's a joke. And, and by the way, for those out there, if you see the Department of Justice labeling parents who are going to schools and voicing their, boi- voicing their opinion on critical race theory and protecting their students as domestic terrorists, you know right then that you've got a Justice Department that is corrupt, that is compromised. There's nothing else you can say about that. That's an intimidation factor to get parents to, to lighten up or to, to back off, and it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm seeing people all over the country uh, that are just fed up with this stuff. And, and, and by the way, it's not just conservative. It's, it's those who are Democrats, those who are other, other ideologies, independents. People and it's people of all races. Yeah, all races. I, I've interviewed Asian, Hispanic, black, white. I mean, India, it doesn't matter, and um, people are smart. They're figuring it out, but, but we just have to keep up on it. And so, yeah, it's an intimidation factor, but I don't see it going very far. How do we reject this from our society and schools, Brandon? Number one is you got to pay attention. We, uh, parents cannot just, just drop their kids off and leave them there for daycare. They got to be involved and know what's happening in in their school, their kids' school, and look at what the curriculum is. Take a look at it. you have a right to that as a parent. You have a right to that. Um, number two is is to have a, a support group. Get get a support group of other parents together. A, a voice that carries with with several people is is more than one, and you're gonna get you're gonna get more response if you've got more people on your side so develop put together a group or join a group of other parents here in utah we have utah parents united which now has tens of thousands of followers and they are really making a huge impact here um i've interviewed folks uh, from from uh virginia that are also doing the same thing another thing is is, is you are entitled to know these things it is public information it's public money going to the scenes if you have to, make a FOIA request. Make a Freedom of Information request um, and get those things that you need. We know here in Utah we had um, a FOIA, several FOIA requests, and one of which uh, showed that the principal was lying, the district was uh, – or the, the superintendent was lying, the teacher was lying, the, the board was lying to the parents about what was being taught. And now that's all open, and they're, they're, they're fighting back. Um, and then we need to make sure that we're, we're taking this information to our elected officials at the local level, um, not just your federal level, but those are your state reps. Those are, those are the able to make and change policy that will affect change. 
There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Great, great counsel and advice from Brandon Beckham. Uh, by the way, you're working on a film. It's in the works now, right? Yes, I'm working on a film on critical race theory. Uh, we've been three months in production. Um, it is uh, it's called American Identity. This is a working title, but we have another two months of, of production. Right, give it to me again. What's the title again? American Identity. Got it. Go ahead. Uh, the rise of critical race theory, and it deals with the the roots of, of, of CRT as well as how it's being implemented in our, our, our education systems and how you can identify it, how you can um, fight it, and, and what the solutions are moving forward. And this is a nonprofit it, uh, production. Uh, we've been three months. We've only got two months left. Uh, we've interviewed teachers, parents, students, educators, uh, experts. Um, it's also backed by the Heritage Foundation and Freedom Works. Uh, they put resources into this as well, um, and other private donors. So it's just a nonprofit project that, to help get the right policies in place. That's what we're hoping to do with this, is to basically inform parents and inform policymakers so that they can make the, the right changes in our laws uh, to get rid of CRT uh, out of our school systems. It's going to take a lot of work, ladies and gentlemen. Keep your eyes out for the film, American Identity. Um, the rise of critical race theory. Uh, can people donate and help fund it? Where do they go? They can. Um, they can uh, basically they can uh, contact me. I can give you um, an email address, uh, and that is brandonbeckham.gop at gmail.com. I can also be reached at brandonbeckham.com. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Brandon. Keep up your fantastic work and keep us posted, will you? Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. You betcha. There he goes. Doing a phenomenal job, ladies and gentlemen. Brandon Beckham, thanks so much to all of you for listening. Again, there's a lot of great work going on in the great state of Utah, but you can duplicate that all across the country. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let yourself be intimidated and remain silent. Peacefully stand for the sacred cause of liberty. I'm Sam Bushman. Have a delightful weekend. LibertyRoundTable.com, LovingLiberty.net. We, the people, can restore the greatest country on the face of the earth. This, this nation shall endure. God save the republic.